right, um, so what we're going to do, I'm going to share a few words about baptism from God's Word, and then uh, we'll have our baptismal candidates come forward. But I want to encourage you, in your bulletins there is a song sheet, um, which has all the lyrics from the songs that we've been singing this morning, but it also has um, lyrics to the song that we're going to sing outside. Uh, So we're all going to dismiss and go to the baptismal outside, and after our baptisms we're going to uh, praise God with amazing grace. Maybe all, you already know the, the verses to that, and you won't need this. But if this would help you, then make sure you grab this and take it out outside with you. I'm going to read from two different passages this morning from Isaiah chapter 43 and verses 1 through 7. So Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. This is God's word from Isaiah 43. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring bring your, your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And now I'll be reading from Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 through 41. This is God's word. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we have now heard your word, I pray that you would help us, give us insight, give us understanding, help our eyes to see what your word is revealing to us, particularly, Lord, this morning about your people, those whom you have called by your name, 
those whom you will preserve, those whom you have saved. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today we're doing something in this church, in our congregation, that has been done throughout the history of the Christian church. Since the very beginnings, as we see here from what we we just read in Acts chapter 2, we are going to baptize. We're going to baptize those who have received the word of God and whom God has called to himself, whom God has, has said to them each, you are mine. You belong to me. And I have done the work to make sure that you'll be mine forever. That's what we see in God's word about everyone who comes forward, who has Christ in their heart by faith and are baptized. So baptism, as we see here, is clearly a response to the word of God. Now, in Acts chapter 2, of course, we kind of jumped right into the middle of, of what was going on here in Acts 2. Um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful uh, uh, passage at, uh, of, of the beginnings of the church, and so I encourage you to take some time maybe late later today and, and uh, read through uh, Acts 2. But, but what's happening is, is the Holy Spirit has descended upon the believers, the apostles, and those who have put their faith in Christ. And, and they have now begun to speak, as it says, in tongues, in, in other languages. And they're, and they're speaking in these other languages the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people are hearing it in their, in their native languages. And this is something that's, that's you know, causing them to, to notice what's going on here. Something special is going on here. This is, this is strange and yet wonderful. And Peter rises up and begins to proclaim the good news, the gospel. What had just happened not, not many days prior to this in Jerusalem, Jesus had been crucified. Jesus had been crucified, and of course, he was crucified because uh, the rulers, the leaders, the spiritual leaders in Jerusalem had uh, condemned him to die. Of course, they couldn't kill him. They needed the Roman uh, authority to do that, so they brought him to Pilate. Uh, they, they basically forced Pilate uh, to agree to execute Jesus. Jesus is executed on a cross. But then he raises from the dead. And he ministers to his disciples, teaches them, and says, Holy Spirit will come and empower you. And so the, the, the disciples had been, been praying and the Holy Spirit comes, falls upon them, and this, this happens. This is, of course, known as the day of Pentecost. And Peter is proclaiming the gospel. And at the very conclusion of his message, he challenges them. He says, this man, this man, Jesus, from Nazareth, is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the promised king. And you put him to death. You crucified him. And everyone there, it says, was cut to the heart. They were convicted of their sin, of the wickedness in their heart. And, and they came to Peter and the apostles, what should we do about this? We are in big trouble with God. 
We have crucified the Messiah. And Peter's response to them is, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So what we see here in this passage, these people have come to faith. They have come under the conviction of the Spirit. They believe God's word, and they come forward, and they first they're called to repent, that is turn away, change the direction that they're heading in, admit, confess that they had it all wrong. They had it all wrong about Jesus. They had it all wrong about, about the gospel. They had it all wrong about the word of God. They, they were not trusting God's word. They were rejecting God's word. And they needed to repent about that. They were looking to other things for their righteousness. They were not looking to Jesus, to God himself for their righteousness. They needed to change, repent of that, turn away from it. And they are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That is, they are to identify themselves now with Jesus Christ. And remember who he was. He's the one that they crucified. He's the one that they condemned. Now they are to identify themselves with him. They're to say, I'm with him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I belong to Jesus. I stand for the things that Jesus stands for. And I will do the things that Jesus calls me to do. That's what it means to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And it says they receive forgiveness of sins. Through their repentance, their faith in God's word, they now receive forgiveness of sins because Christ has paid for their sins on the cross. Christ has, has been condemned for their sins. He has stood in their place and received God's judgment for their sins. So they'll be forgiven of them. And they will then receive the Holy Spirit. That is, they will be born again. They'll be given a new heart. God himself will take up residence within them, empowering them to obey, empowering them to serve, empowering them to be God's people. So these are all descriptions of a true Christian. And so the implication here, of course, is that all genuine Christians have repented, have received forgiveness of their sins, have received the new life of the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the implication is they have come forward for baptism. That is, they've been immersed in the waters by the church of Jesus Christ in his name for his honor to forever be identified with him. Over the years, baptism has, has kind of been downplayed in some evangelical churches. Uh, you know, it's not an essential thing. You know, faith is essential, but baptism, not so much a big deal. Um, it's not really essential. And I kind of wonder... If that's what, what Peter felt about baptism, is that what the apostles thought about baptism? That, that's not essential. Don't worry about it. As long as you have come forward with faith in Christ, that's all that's necessary. Don't worry about baptism. Well, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every 
one of you. My wife and I were at a wedding last night, a wonderful wedding, and uh, it, 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 two believers coming together um, to be married, and it was a wedding that, that honored the Lord. It was encouraging. It was great to be there. But I got to thinking. So you're at this wedding, and there's all these different things that, that, that go on in the wedding. You know, uh, what if we were to say, you know what, wedding rings aren't essential. You, you can still be married without the wedding ring. That's, that's not essential. Don't worry about wearing a wedding ring if you're married. It's, it's not, you're still married, right? You're still married. Wedding rings aren't essential. Well, you know, having a pastor for the wedding, it's not really an essential thing. You can get married w- without having a pastor do the, do, do the ceremony. That's, that's not really an essential thing. Um, having a wedding dress, that's, that's not essential either. That's, 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 you, know, you can still get married without the wedding dress. You can still get married without inviting your friends and family to the, to the wedding. They're not essential. Of course, the question then, then comes, but, but what does it communicate? What does it communicate? What does it, what does it say if you're not wearing a, a wedding ring, if you're married? Yeah, if you don't have a pastor, doing the wedding, if you don't invite your friends and family to the wedding, what, what is it communicating? What is it saying? I uh, uh, follow um, different, different sports. I'm kind of a fan of, of different sports. And every year there's an NFL draft. Um, they invite the top college players into the city, and they have this draft where the, the, the teams um, get to draft their, their primary pick out of the colleges, and you know they, they bring them up on stage, and the first thing that they do after they've, after they've said who they're going to pick for their, for their first round draft choice, they bring them up on stage, and they give them a hat. It's the team name on the hat, the team logo on the hat, and they give them that hat. And the player walks out, and he puts on that hat, and he's proud to put on that hat, and he walks up, and he greets the the owners of the team and, and the NFL commissioner, and they all are all smiles. He's putting on, he's wearing that hat. I am now identified with this team. Is that hat essential? No, it's not essential. They drafted him. They picked him. He's going to play for that team. Whether or not he puts on the hat, not essential. But what would it say if he walked out on that stage and they gave him the hat, and he said, ah, don't need that, and walked up to the podium. Well, that would look kind of strange, wouldn't it? You, you don't want to be a part of that team? You don't want to be identified with that team? That's, that's what baptism is. Verse 40, and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So when one comes forward for baptism, they are saying, I'm setting myself apart. God has set me apart from this crooked generation, from the world. And I am now, by God's grace, in the work he's done in my heart and life, He has made me one of his own. Now my complete future has changed. I'm a different person. I'm set aside, set apart from the world. I belong to God. I am one of his. You believe the word. 
You repent and receive the word about Christ. He is your Savior, that he is your Lord. And you come forward for baptism. We have two in our congregation who are coming forward for baptism. Two young women whom I've known since I first arrived here who have been in a youth group uh, that I've had the, uh, the great privilege to lead and have, have watched these girls grow, um, mature, and come to faith in Christ. And it's been a great privilege. So I'm going to ask Emma and Reagan to come forward. And uh, Emma and Reagan are going to share their faith in Christ with you. And we're going to go outside. So Emma, why don't you come forward first and go ahead and share. So my faith journey basically begins as a baby. Since my family and I were always at church, so there was always an influence of faith in my life. I had been told that I was saved when I was five at a five-day club. From then on, I just went with that and continued living my life as a church kid, one who knew the facts but had no desire to deepen and grow my relationship with God outside of being at church. Then, when I was 15 and out of vacation Bible school, training week at Camp Assurance, the instructor shared his testimony with us. He shared how he was told he had been saved at a young age, but didn't remember it happening. So, when he was 21, he decided he wanted to know and be able to remember being saved. His testimony caused me to really think about how, how I had just believed what I had been told and could not actually remember going through the process of receiving God's salvation. I realized that I wanted to know for sure that I was saved and be able to remember it. So later that evening, I grabbed my best friend Haley, who had also heard the same message, and told her I didn't remember being saved, and I wanted to know for sure. She encouraged me not to wait any longer, so I went and prayed, repenting of my sin and asking Christ to save me. Since then, it has still been a rocky journey, but going to college has helped me to grow even more in my faith. I have learned to surround myself with other Christians, each being at different parts of their faith journey. I have had to choose to grow, and thankfully, college has provided many opportunities that have allowed me to grow. Emma, why do you want to be identified with Jesus Christ and his people? I want to be identified with Jesus Christ and his people because I believe he is the Savior of the world and has saved me from my sins, giving me the gift of eternal life. I want to be baptized because it shows, it's one way to show that I am a Christian and a part of the fellowship of all believers. Being one of God's people is so important to me because fellowship and community are needed to grow in my faith. And Emma, is there a passage or a verse you want to share with the congregation? Uh, one of the passages that's really encouraging to me is Titus 3, 4 through 7 because it emphasizes how we are not saved by our works but through Christ. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Is there anything else, Emma, you want to share with our congregation? I would like to thank you all for being a very important part of my life. I am so, so grateful 
to have been able to grow up in this church and be supported and inspired by so many godly role models. Thank you to those who have and continue to pray for me. It means the world to me to know that people are, are praying for me. Thank you to those of you who have been my Sunday school teachers and Awana and youth group leaders. Thank you to my friends, some of which are here and others are not, for encouraging and walking with me in my faith journey. Finally, I would like to thank my family for bringing me to church all the time, even though I may not have always understood why it was so important. Thank you for encouraging me in my faith and also allowing me to grow on my own. Thank you for everything. All right, I'm going to ask Emma a few uh, affirmations here for her baptism. What is your confession of faith, Emma? That I believe that Jesus Christ has saved me from my sins and that he gives me the hope of eternal life. Do you trust Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and for the fulfillment of all his promises to you, even eternal life? I do. Do you renounce Satan and all his works and all his ways? I do. And do you intend, with God's help, to obey Jesus' word and to follow him as your Lord all the days of your life? I do. All right, Emma. Now we'll have Regan share about her faith journey. Coming to know Christ. Go ahead, Reagan. I'm like shaking, but that's okay. <laughs> As most of you know and have seen, I've grown up in the most amazing church and loving family. You have watched me grow up. You have seen how I've been raised. I know many of you have prayed that I grow up to be a strong, faithful woman of God. And now you are here to see me profess that Christ has saved me. Little do many of you know, this is very new for me. I've always considered myself a Christian. I've always come to church and youth group, but that relationship with the Lord has not always been there. I may have grown up in this church, and I may have been taught, but I, did, I ignored, I did not listen, and most of my time has been spent in public school. The older and more liked among people I became, the less I thought about my faith. I began following the crowds and forgetting everything I had been taught. Throughout high school, my faith faded more and more each year. I was just another kid, not worried about anything but myself and what I wanted to do or who I wanted to spend my time with. On a warmer day in December 2020, I was taking a walk on a gravel road at sunset. Then and there, the Lord reintroduced me to himself. A certain song came on in my earbuds and the tears started to roll. It was then I realized that the life I was living was not what God wanted from me. I realized I was drowning in my sin. I realized that I am not worthy. I realized I needed Jesus. I spent the next two miles of my walk repenting, asking the Lord to come into my life, begging for help because I finally wanted to be the child of God that I was made to be. Since then, I can feel the Holy Spirit in me. I have the joy of the Lord. I am excited to worship and pray. I spend time in my Bible, and I have the desire to share my faith and be a light to others. It has been the greatest feeling to be walking with and growing in the Lord. I'm here today to profess my understanding that I am a sinner. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is the only way. I have been set free, and I'm so excited to continue to grow in my faith with the support of my church and my family. Regan, why do you want to be identified with Jesus Christ and his people? I want to be identified with Jesus Christ and his people because I believe Jesus is the Christ. I believe that he is the son of the living God. 
He has died for me. He has saved me from my sins, and I am a child of God. Is there a, a verse or passage you want to share with the congregation? Psalm 27.1. It has been my go-to passage. Verse 1 states, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This, word, this verse, as well as the whole chapter, is a constant reminder to me that Jesus is my salvation, and he did indeed save me, and I am a sinner that has been set free, and therefore I have nothing to be afraid of in this world because Christ is the center of my life. Is there anything else you want to share? I'm thankful for all the prayers, the support. Many of you have come up to me throughout the past years saying that you're praying for me. I'm thankful for all the lessons that you and David have taught me in Sunday school, church, and youth group, and my family for always being there. All right. What is your confession of faith, Regan? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died for me, and he saved me. And do you trust Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and for the fulfillment of all his promises to you, even eternal life? I do. And do you renounce Satan and all his works and all his ways? I do. And do you intend, with God's help, to obey Jesus' word and to follow him as your Lord all the days of your life? I do. All right. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife to come forward, and she's going to pray for our girls here. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the work that you have done in Emma and Regan's lives. We give you thanks and praise for the families that you put both of these young ladies in, for how their parents have been faithful to teach them in their homes and have brought them to church to hear the word of God. We thank you for the many Sunday school teachers, Awana and Good News Club leaders, um, all of those who have taught them over the years here at Stanton Evangelical Free Church. Lord, as well as the many brothers and sisters in Christ here in the congregation who have prayed for them and encouraged them and just talked to them and loved them. Um, Lord, we pray for their future as they follow Christ. May they be bold in their walk and always be humbled when they reflect on God's great grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.